Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 316th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're in the offseason now, getting ready to go to the Senior Bowl next week. And what we're going to title this episode is an early look at the Bulldogs and the top 10 NFL prospects. To help us today, we have Mike Griffith, the senior writer from Dog Nation, to break down the Bulldogs for us. They'll be drafted uh, by the NFL, maybe even by the Falcons for a change. But thanks for coming by, Mike. Say hello to the fans. Hello to the fans. Georgia could have a record-breaking class this year, Daryl. No question about it. The national champs had a lot of talent on the field, and uh, we'll see uh, some of them down at the Senior Bowl next week. We'll be double-teaming that. Uh, They got the HBCU Combine starting up on Friday and Saturday. We just posted uh, all the players that will be participating on uh, AJC.com on the Cover 9 at 9 blog. One that I'm looking forward to uh, hearing about is Felix the Triggerman Harper from Alcorn State. Uh, put up a lot of big numbers there. He's went to Creekside High from Fairborn. So it's uh, Jawan Pass out of Columbus, Georgia. Columbus Carver started at Louisville. Was at Alcorn for a minute. Then went to Prairie View as another quarterback that's down there. Uh, but today we're going to look at the top 10 people in the draft, in the NFL draft. Uh, in no particular order, we just started getting ready for that with the Falcons having a top 10 pick at the 8th spot. Uh, you know, there's going to be a good player there. And, uh, you know, talk with Mike Cunningham already this week. He's like, hey, trade down. We need They need more players, so trade down and mass picks. So that'll be an issue uh, moving forward to the draft. I say sit at 8, get a baller. If you got a baller there, that can help you. Take them if you got a Jamal Anderson situation, uh, the DN Jamal Anderson, uh, maybe get out of there because, you know, remember that draft, uh, Darrell Revis, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and Patrick Willis all went after Jamal Anderson. So somebody's there that could play ball. And um, just some of the names. And, Mike, you can chip in because you saw some of these guys. And my first list, I know you saw uh, Cal Hamilton. Uh, when Notre Dame played Georgia, and, and Derek Stingley, the cornerback from LSU. Those are two guys in my top five right now. Kayvon Thibodeau, the linebacker from Oregon, and Drake London, the wide receiver from USC, and Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from uh, Alabama. These five guys may not be there when the Falcons pick. They all might be gone, but if one of them slips, you know, the Falcons need a tackle. Uh, you know, they certainly can use a linebacker. They can use, you know, they can use everything here, quite frankly. Uh, wide receiver with the uh, Ridley situation. So, Mike, um, what what were your impressions of Kyle Hamilton in uh, the Notre Dame-Georgia meetings here over the last couple of years? 
Yeah, a couple of years ago, looked good though, D-Led. You could tell he was a pro prospect and real fluid, really good in the open field. I mean, you got to have guys that can make tackles in the open field. Obviously played at a high uh, competition level. I, I think a lot of those DBs, it strikes me, you know, the, the combine is, I know it's just a portion of it. And most of the hay is in the barn per se, as far as the scouting, the game tape, you know, even some interviews when some of these scouts are getting on campus early at some places. And I would guess Notre Dame has been pretty friendly to the NFL types, but I think DBs perhaps more than any other position really rely. They want to see that combine speed. They want to see what these guys can do because that recovery speed is as close to 40 straight line speed as there is. So many other positions, we look at the 40 and we say, well, why does it matter what an offensive lineman runs in the 40 or even a running back? It's really more about the burst and the acceleration. But when we talk about straight line speed, I think wide receivers and DBs rely heavily on that. And so I think where Kyle goes is going to, I think, and, and we're talking about a guy that's going in the first round. So it, you may not see, you know, we're, we're kind of nitpicking here. Does he go five? Does he go 12? Does he go 15? You know, it's not like we're going second round, seventh round. But we're talking about a guy, though, that could be, I think, you know, one of the most elite draft picks. But I think he's got to run a good number, D-Led. And, and so when I think about Kyle Hamilton and I think about Notre Dame, that's what I want to see from him is I want to see that low 4-4 number. Okay. And uh, Thibodeau, I, you know, I saw the Ohio State game early, but I didn't hear anything from him the rest of the way. So we'll be doing some more work on him. What about Stingley? He had the big 2019 season, uh, Mike, but uh, how did he finish up? I, I know, uh, you know, they didn't cross play uh, uh, last year, but uh, what, what are your impressions or what are you hearing about Stingley? Yeah, he's one of those guys you wish he could have gone pro after one year. I mean, if you're an NFL person, you wish. You know, if you're a college person, obviously, you want him to stay in school at least three years, the minimum, if not four, even five in your wish list. But, you know, this is a guy that I almost wonder with some of the injuries that happened in year two if he took a step or two back. And then you mentioned what happened at LSU. And, you know, you, you hate to think that a culture could bring down the value of a player. But when you're a team leader on a program that's had those off-field issues, that's had guys defecting, and I've interviewed Stingley. Let me tell you, he was first class. I talked to him before the national championship game his freshman year. Couldn't have been nicer, graceful, gracious, I should say. And uh, as far as the last two years, though, to your point, D-Led, you know, LSU's just kind of turned suspect on us. And, you know, again, you don't want to just kind of – you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. But it does make you wonder a little bit about what was going on in the clubhouse. I, this is a guy, though, that, that I've got a lot of faith in. I, I feel good about. I think he's got uh, really good cover skills. I think he showed you that right out of the gate. I think the LSU stuff, I don't know if it, I don't think it affected him. But this is something where, um, you know, someone that's been following him closely, that's been watching the film, obviously we talk about injuries. Anytime we're talking about a top potential top five, top ten pick, I mean, they're going to kick the tires. Now, you probably know better than I, D-Led. It used to be, I think, it used to be that every team could kind of bring their own guy. But now don't they limit how many times these guys get tugged on and pulled on and examined? Isn't there like a, a limitation or is there some sort of pool doctor now that's working the combine? Right, yeah. They have uh, uh, all 32 team doctors in one spot. And three people, you know, will do the specialty. If it's orthopedics, you got your three orthopedic guys. You got your heart guys. You got, you know, you know it's divided up. So everybody gets the same medical reports. You don't have to go around to all 
32 teams. But what happens is when you get your 30 visits, then you get to see the individual team doctor. So uh, there's still some uh, medical inquiries inquiries uh, post-combine. Yeah, it, well, and he would be one of those guys because he had yeah, some the, injuries. The, the and foot, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, you want to clear that out. Yeah, and Drake London, we'll do some more work on him in USC wideout. But uh, what what are your thoughts on Evan Neal? It's been hit or miss with these Alabama offensive linemen, but, you know, he's the latest one uh, that's coming out and, uh, you know, he's got, got top ten grades so far. Yeah, I like him. I, I was impressed, you know, and I know that Bama gave up some sacks against Auburn. Listen, he's, he plays one spot. It wasn't Evan Neal, right? You got five guys that have to work in harmony and in unison. If anything, what, what Evan would be judged on is the leadership, and, and that's what I would take from this year. Beyond the individual tape, beyond the individual performance, you know, he was the rock. He was the anchor point, and he had a lot of young offensive linemen around him. So to me, I would really want to evaluate the locker room skills, and that bodes well because I felt like this Alabama offensive line really grew and really got better as the season progressed. They really evolved, and that takes leadership, right? Everybody gets better individually, but as you know, D-Led, when you've got strong leadership and you've got – when your best player is your hardest worker, that's what you want. That's what leads to greatness, and that's where leadership kicks in. I've got very strong feelings about Evan Neal. I think he should be one of the top two picks. I'm suspect of Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan defensive end. I am. i got to tell you. I, I, I know that, that, that Mel Kuyper Jr. is high on him, and I know all the Michigan Wolverine people in the, the, you know, the Heisman Trophy. But I, I, I watched the game against George, and again, he's one man, and obviously they had a plan. But but great players rise to the occasion, D-Led. And I didn't see him bring anything. I didn't see the fire. I want to evaluate guys when they play the best competition. And to me, he laid an egg against Georgia at a time when they really needed him. So I'm skeptical of Hutchinson. You mentioned Thibodeau. He's up in the Pacific Northwest. Listen, Evan Neal is playing against the best pass rushers week in and week out, practicing against Will Anderson every day. That's where I might go with my number one if I needed a lineman in the NFL. Yeah, no question about it. I was gonna get to Aiden that uh, you know, I was talking uh, yeah, I was uh, you know, I've seen these guys come out of the Big Ten and dominate Indiana and uh, you know, throw Northwestern all over the place, and then when, <laughs> when they come to the SEC game, you can't find him. And he he's in that group for me. Um, doesn't mean he's not gonna be a good pro. But uh, so that was our top five. We actually went to the top six, and we're gonna go seven here because I got Nicobe Dean in that group. Uh, where are the top Georgia? Who's the top dog coming off of the the, the draft boards? Um, you know, Jordan Davis, Wyatt, Nicobe Dean. Get, let the people know on um, the Bowtie Chronicles who the, the best prospects are for the Georgia Bulldogs. D-Led, I think Georgia is going to have four potential four first round picks. Surely three. I would put the over under at three. I'm, you know, I'm going to surprise you because I listen. I, I I like Nicobe Dean. I like him a lot, but I think he lacks. And this is picky, nitpicky. But again, we're talking about an inside backer here. I the, the height bothers me a little bit. You know, it's not that he's he's not. A, you know, we're not talking about Sam Mills or anything. We're not talking five nine. But but six feet. That's I want to see a 6'2 guy. I, I look, I know speed's important, and Nicobe is sideline to sideline. The cover skills are great, very effective in the pressure packages. But he's just a little smallish for me. 
for me to be saying, you know what, that's the guy I'm drafting that I'm plugging right in. He's just a little. Now, I still think he goes in the first round. And I don't want to hurt his draft stock. Look, the guy is an engineering major. He's a tremendous leader. And when I say tremendous, I mean Kirby Smart saying that he's still leading the team when he was out spring drills with a shoulder injury. He's still on the field. He's still taking mental reps. He's going through every walkthrough. He's still coaching and yelling out plays. This is what you want. This is a guy who's going to be engaged, a consummate pro. I'm just thinking, though, a little on this. Now, people say, well, Mike, don't forget about Roquan Smith. Okay, Roquan was good. But if you're asking me who I'm going with, and he's training right now, D-Led, and that's why he's not going to be at the Senior Bowl because the big man knows that the number that he runs and the scales, what the scales say, are going to tell the tale for Jordan Davis. At the end of the day, you can't coach six foot six and 335, 340 with that guy's aptitude, with that guy's footwork, with that guy's disposition. He's a future college football Hall of Famer. And again, those trophies don't put you in the NFL Hall, but he won the Outland Trophy, won the Benaric Trophy. He was a finalist for the Nagurski. He was the face of the 2021 Georgia football team. And there's a reason for that. It's not just because he was the biggest guy. It's because he's a locker room guy. It's because he's a leader. It's because he's got a story. We talk about perseverance. We talk about growth. We talk about coachability. We talk about a guy who's all in for his team. That's Jordan Davis. And when these scouts and these GMs get to meet Jordan up close and they feel that charisma, I think you're looking at a guy that could slip into the top five. Right now, he's being projected middle of the first round. But I think not going to – and I love the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy's a good friend of both of ours. And I, I love to tell kids to go down there and prove their stock. But I think Jordan Davis is doing the right thing. I think he needs to train. I think he needs to make sure he cuts off that, that, that ribeye, that 5, 10, 15 pounds that kind of fluctuate. Listen. Listen, you saw a difference between Jordan Davis in the SEC championship game and Jordan Davis when they lined up and played the Michigan Wolverines and the Alabama Crimson Tide version two. Jordan Davis saw himself in that gif getting stood up and not moving, and he heard all the critics and all the Alabama people saying, look, this is your guy. Ha ha. Bad. And, and he took it personal. He took it personal, d because what happened was he slipped. And one of the things that Georgia did between SEC title game and the Michigan game was they all started running gassers, extra gassers. You say, this is crazy. You're telling me in one month the team got, they absolutely got in better condition. They felt winded because they'd had the cakewalks. They played Georgia Tech. Is that a game? Is that a scrimmage? They played Charleston Southern. So they'd lost their sense of urgency. They'd gotten a little soft. Jordan Davis got punched in the mouth. And when the big 340-pound guy says, let's run gassers, everybody says, let's go. That's what you've got in Jordan Davis. That's why I'm selling him as a top five. And I think he'll be the first bulldog off the draft, or he should be, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I know the issue is, hey, is he a three-down guy? Am I have to going to have to pull him out and nickel? And that's why the speed that you're talking about is so important for him. Uh, I want to keep him big at 6'6", 340, put him right in the middle like Sue. Uh, some teams might try to make him a 3'4", um, a, a in, uh, 
but uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's the whole beauty of this thing. Had enough. And, and, and that's uh, the beauty of Jordan, too, because I think you can do those things. I think you can say, I want you to go big and be my first and second down run stuffer. Or I want you to cut and be 320, and I want you three. I think that's the beauty of a guy like Jordan Davis is I think he gives you that flexibility. Okay. Well, hey, let's get back to um, the top ten here. We, we've discussed seven. And then the final three, I have Charles Cross, the old tackle from Mississippi State, uh, Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa, and uh, DeMarvin Leal, the D lineman from from Texas A&M. Um, and then just some of the you know guys that just missed were, you know, Will Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama, uh, Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah, Kenny Pickett from uh, Pittsburgh, the quarterback, and then my man Armand Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Those are some of the other players that um, are, you know, you're going to see in the first round of the draft. What about Cross? Um, Mike, you've seen, uh, you know, SEC guy, you're an SEC guy. What about Cross and Lil? Are they um, projecting as NFL guys? Didn't admittedly didn't see a lot of the West over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't feel like I could talk from a position of, okay. of expertise, but I really like Gardner. I thought Cincinnati did a really nice job against Alabama. I know what the final score said, but anybody that watched that game uh, had, to, uh, had to have an appreciation for the blue collar nature of that Bearcats team and the way they play defense. You know, it's hard to stop the run when you run that 3 3 5. But look, Cincinnati knows who and what they are. They knew what kind of game they had to play. And frankly, they did enough defensively if their offense would have come to play that day. That, that was a big if, and it didn't work out. Des Ritter uh, didn't have his best day, and they weren't able to get much going on the ground. But they really did do enough, if you think about it, D led containing Alabama really much better than Georgia did in the SEC championship game. So I, I, I've got respect for Gardner. I got respect for the players that come out of that program. I think there's something to be said. I'd kind of equate it to a, a tough mid-major in basketball, right? You can get some quality guys out of those sort of programs. And listen, Luke Fickle's done a really nice job recruiting. A lot of those Cincinnati kids are a lot of the kids that Michigan State was getting back in Mark D'Antonio's prime. Right, A lot of those kids from Ohio that kind of slipped through the fingers of uh, the Ohio State or, or Michigan for whatever reason, maybe late bloomers, you know, maybe guys that transfer. But Gardner, uh, a leader back there, a legit cover guy. He'll come up. He'll punch you in the mouth. I like that guy. He's a fringe top 10 pick. And one guy, I might be stepping ahead, but one guy that could maybe approach the top 10 is Trayvon Walker. And you say, Trayvon Walker, you know, Trayvon, this is a guy at 6'5", 290. He's going to run a low number. He's going to run, he's going to blow up at the combine. People are going to see the athleticism and say, oh, my world. And then they're going to look much closer at the tape and recognize that at George, that DN position, it's not like he gets just turned loose to blitz. He's got, he's got some... Uh, some responsibilities as far as shutting down the edge, often taking on double teams. It's not a position in Georgia where they manufacture a lot of numbers. So you're not going to see the crazy sack numbers, but what you will see is a guy that does a great job setting a hard edge, that can beat the double team, and he is going to absolutely blow it up at the combine. Look for Trayvon Walker to be one of those guys. Don't be surprised if he goes in the first 15, 16 picks of the first round. And all it takes is one team to like him around that 9, 10, 11 spot, D-Led. 
No question about it. No question about it. And, you know, we, we let's throw the elephant in the room. The Falcons don't draft Georgia players, uh, you know, and that's not exactly true. You know, Thomas Brown, Milner, uh, DJ Shockley was here. But they definitely don't seem to have the territorial approach of, uh, say, the Bengals. You know, the Bengals are going to draft Ohio guys. They're going to draft – uh, you know, guys from Miami of Ohio, they're going to draft Ohio State guys. They're going to draft Big Ten people. You know, they, they take a territorial approach. That hasn't been the case here. We'll see what happens under Terry Fontenot. Um, you know, we saw under Dimitrov more of a national, more West Coast mid-major approach where you got guys from Montana and Boise State and so forth. Um, not so much SEC. Uh, Marvin Lewis was a big SEC guy in, in addition to the Ohio State um, uh, guys. But who are some of the guys? You know, all these guys can fit because, you know, the Falcons aren't loaded right now. But who are some of the other Georgia guys? Um you know, like the running backs, Zamir and James Cook, where they might go. Uh, I have a couple other guys from Georgia I wanted to um, hear about. Uh, Pickens, Sailor, and uh, we discussed Walker and Wyatt. And what about the safety, Lewis Sin? Uh, uh, what, what are you? What are you? What are your prospects on them? And Pickens is an interesting one for me. No doubt. Well, first of all, I'll say this for the Falcons and really any team. If you're, and it's, it's like this when you recruit too. If you recruit or sign a local guy, he better be good. Because when things go wrong with a local guy, what you don't want is that pressure to play a guy that really shouldn't be playing, right? And if you've drafted local guys and they haven't worked out, and I wasn't here for the fallout with DJ Shockley, but I'm sure there were some disappointed dog fans that didn't understand why he wasn't out there, right? Even though he probably shouldn't have been out there. So to me, it's kind of a mixed bag. If you're going to go local, it better be a sure thing because there's not much worse than when a local guy doesn't work out. It puts a lot of undue pressure on the player and it puts a lot of undue pressure on the franchise. I would say don't avoid local guys. And I, I don't know. I know Fran Tarkington's had some words about this and different people at different times and when you're winning they look for everything you know when you win and nobody complains about anything when you're losing they look to pick you apart so I I, I haven't I'm not well versed enough to let you would certainly know uh, the validity to whether or not the Falcons avoid Georgia players or not I'm not real sure but you know you brought up another guy and he's the fourth guy that I think could go in the first round and that's George Pickens Normally, when you look on a team's roster, guys are usually listed as being bigger than they really are. They always want to make guys. Nah, Pickens is actually bigger than he's listed. They list him at 6'3". He's more like 6'4". And what you get with George is this incredible catch radius. I mean, this is like stretch, man. I mean, this kid can make catches behind, above, below. Uh, you know how many? You know the catch he made. Uh, in the championship game, the 52-yard grab. What he needs and why he didn't do better with Stetson is Stetson's not a guy that's going to throw you open, so to speak. Stetson's a guy that's going to throw it in a general direction and hope you catch it. JT Daniels was one of those precise guys that could throw it to the side, the leverage that you have on that corner. He's going to throw you open. And in the NFL, those are the type of quarterbacks that exist. Guys that can throw those pinpoint passes. Not only can he hit the target, he can hit the lower left of the target, the upper right of the target. He knows how to fit it into that bread box, right? And that's what you've got to have with George because George is not a separation guy at this point in his career. Remember, this is a very young guy, and D-Let, you know, he's only nine months removed from ACL surgery. I mean, the fact that he was out there playing, to me, 
was amazing. It said, one, fast healer, and everybody wants to say they're a fast healer. Everybody wants to say their knee surgery goes well. I've never heard anyone say, he underwent knee surgery today, and it didn't go well. It's always, yeah, it went well, and everything's expected to, well, obviously, it doesn't always go well. Some guys recover faster than others. Oh, well, he's a fast healer. No, not everybody is a fast healer. Not every ACL is the same. Different guys, different shapes, different sizes, different amount of weight. You know, it's a lot harder for me to come back from a knee at, at 220 than it is for a svelte, in shape 19-year-old at uh, 205. My knee's going to take a lot more pressure than George Pickens' knees. He's a lot more limber. And so the fact that George was back in October what, 10, seven months after the surgery, playing in November, and I was watching him run routes. He looked smooth. He looked faster than the supposedly healthy guy. So he's quick in and out of breaks. Uh, he needs to get better and more disciplined with the routes. But again, third-year guy, he will get better. Uh, George played some running back, too. Now he's a good after-the-catch runner can go up, he high points the ball, that's a knack, that's a skill, everybody says they can high point it, but as you know, there's a difference between good and great. George Pickens is a great one when it comes to the high point. George Pickens has gloves, as they say. I mean, he's got glue on those hands. I mean, I can count on two fingers, three fingers, the, the number of times I saw him drop passes in three years. So I think he's a guy that if he does a decent number, Four fives, right? If he comes through with that high 30s, a low, maybe, maybe, I don't know if he's going to get a 40, but high 30s vertical for a 6'4 guy, that's plenty, long arms. All it takes is one team, D-Led. Again, I think Pickens is a guy that goes late in the first round. And then if we want to talk about the next guy, that's where it gets interesting to me because there's a lot of different opinions. I've got four Georgia guys that could go in the second round. I say could, best case scenario. Darian Kendrick, the cornerback from Clemson, he looks a little smallish to me. And while he didn't give up any touchdowns, he gave up four catches over 50 yards. Listen, that's part of playing man coverage, and he's a gunfighter. He comes back to the OK Corral the next day with his confidence intact, and that's important. You've got to have the right uh, psychological approach if you're going to be an effective corner. And Kendrick's a guy that's been tested. People know his story, had some issues at Clemson, got a second chance at Georgia, made the most of it, you know, took care of business, showed he could be a pro. Uh, I just think second is a little high for him. I, I see him ranked high by some. The guy, though, that I think we're going to see, two guys are going to blow up at the Senior Bowl. One is Devontae Wyatt. A lot, we talked a lot about right. Jordan Davis, the attention that Jordan gets, the double teams, the space that he eats. Devontae Wyatt is a guy who's really fast off the snap, and, and he's a, he's a guy that can really wreck a play. He penetrates. Uh, he plays violent. Uh, aggressive guy. He dropped about 20 pounds between his senior and super senior year. Got down to business. He's got a hard edge. I think Devontae is a guy that with a really good senior bowl could work his way up uh, to the start, early second round. And then another guy that will be down there. Uh, talk about versatility. We talked about the value of a guy like Jordan Davis who could play different line spots. Well, flip side of that offensively, Jamari Salyer who lined up at left tackle throughout most of his career at Georgia, but really a prototypical guard. And he really moves well for 6'4", 325. And yes, the five stars mattered. This guy turned out to be everything he was supposed to be. Great team leader, uh, unselfish player, what's best for the team. Uh, and, and I see, when I look at Jamari, I see a big athletic guy. That's not always the case. Some of these guys, I hate to use the word dumpy, but they just don't look 
as athletic as others. Jamari is a guy who looks very athletic, and you wonder if he's not going to class, if he's not the, Once he's a pro, and all he does is football, and all he does is lift, what do we see for Jamari Salyer? Well, you got to remember, who is his mentor? Andrew Thomas, the top five pick of the New York Giants. So Jamari Salyer's already got that NFL mindset. He's got the perfect mentor in Andrew Thomas. This is a guy, again, could go early second. If he was a true tackle, he'd be a first-round slam dunk. Guards just don't hold the same value. So those are my top three. And then James Cook, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. A little smallish. Well, he is smallish, and you wonder if he's a third down back. d I'll ask you, does it help him at all in any way? Does anybody say Delvin Cook's his big brother and this guy could be his great? Yeah, they can throw him 20 pounds. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he could, he could probably make it as a returner. Um, you know, a lot of pocket rockets. The Rams like those small guys. I know Les Need, uh, you know, took Tavon off. It's Austin very high. It's going to be how fast he runs. If they think he can get open uh, in space, if he's a space guy, yeah, you're not going to run him between the tackles. So he's going to have to be a space guy that's a weapon. Uh, so, you know, that's not a high draft pick. So that's what, I mean, I, I've been watching him for, I was like, oh, God, if he could just get, you need to take him to Golden Corral. <laughs> he need to put some weight on. <laughs> he's a little bitty thing. I'm like, he's going to get hurt. Why are they running him between the tackles? So, but yeah, I enjoy watching him play. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know. The mongoose, the mongoose. Kirby says they call him the mongoose. The, if you okay. see him, yeah. he's kind of the way he moves. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm with you. I don't see him break a lot of tackles. He did show he could run between the tackles. Somebody might have said that he couldn't. He might have tried to prove that person wrong. Right. <clears throat> so he did show that he was able to run between the tackles. He but did. in the NFL, he, he ain't going to make a living. Like, I'm with you. He no. ain't going to survive it. No. He ain't going to make a living. He's the guy that comes in on third downs. As you said, could he be a return guy? Frankly, he did kick returner he really wasn't a great return guy but if i'm gonna be honest about it i wonder if his heart was really in it and now that he's starting to get paid i wonder if we'll see a different guy in the return game but i'm with you i think he's a third down back he can run a sprint draw he can catch the ball in the flats make a guy miss but i think he's another guy who can get better i think there's still some ceiling there this was a guy and again i'm not saying anything nfl scouts don't know this is a guy that had an off off the field issue early had to grow up a little bit later in his career and he did he did grow up and later in his career became a team leader but i think there's some growth potential and you're probably right second round is probably too optimistic unless he runs some eye splitting four three number and he hasn't done that yet his best time was has been at georgia in the low four fives which ain't going to get him drafted in the first two rounds no doubt about it and uh mike tell everybody where they could uh find you at and uh, follow your great work on Dog Nation and uh, follow your tweets on, on the Twitter. I'm just going to give you my Twitter handle and give you three more names. Lewis Seen, the safety, Quay Walker, and Channing Tindell are two NFL linebackers, third rounders. I think we'll see all these guys. Uh, we'll see Quay and Tindell at the Senior Bowl. And D-Lad, they can follow me uh, at MikeGriffith32 on Twitter and obviously on DogNation.com. Before we get out of here, just want to touch on the Senior Bowl quarterbacks. Are the two I've going in there looking at or Pickett from Pittsburgh and Malik Willis from Liberty issues with uh, Pickett he's got a lot of injuries with the ACC player of the year the Johnny United's golden arm winner and we're gonna hear about small hands uh, with him 
So that's going to be the big thing on, on the first day when they measure is what size his hands are. And last time we had this was Kyler Murray. Malik's from Westlake. Went to Roswell, played with A.J. Terrell. We've been following him since high school. Uh, dual threat quarterback. So we're going to see. Um, the throwing motion concerns me, but he's an athletic dual threat. Seems like Baltimore may be uh, in that market for him. Mel Kuyper's hyping him as a top 10 pick. If he has a good showing here, said maybe the Falcons would, would take the runner on Malik Willis at 8. Carson Strong from Nevada. Uh, you mentioned Desmond Ritter from UC, 44-5 and five as a collegiate quarterback. Uh, accuracy and ball placement, but he did have a lot of deep balls. He threw like the most deep balls, or 20 yards or more with no interceptions. So he's got uh, deep ball accuracy. Sam Howe was supposed to be the number one guy coming um, into the season. He lost a lot of his weapons at North Carolina, so he's got something to prove. And uh, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky is the sixth quarterback, and we'll learn more about him as we move forward. Okay, none of these guys or anybody that jumps out like, hey, they need to take him at eight. This is not the draft quarterback year. Uh, but, you know, the Falcon fans can't seem to uh, want to usher Matt Ryan out the door before it's time. He's got two years left on his contract. I don't think you draft a quarterback at eight. Maybe you try to find one in the fourth or the fifth to develop. I don't know if Felipe Franks is the quarterback of the future. Uh, but, you know, Arthur Smith came from Tennessee where they worked wonders with Tannehill until last week when you saw Tannehill do the Tannehill in Miami. <laughs> when you need him to win a big game as number one seed, he threw three picks. Uh, so I would – I um. Think you know you want to upgrade at quarterback, and they're not going to upgrade. Neither one of these guys are going to be better than Matt Ryan in the NFL. This is kind of the year, like when EJ Manuel was the top quarterback drafted, went to Buffalo way too high, 14, 15, 16. But yeah, Pickett had a good year. Uh, Malik started at Auburn, and, and you know he's been the internet sensation. But I, he ain't a top ten pick. I don't see a top ten pick in this group at quarterback. But those are, you know, we got to stay on top of the quarterbacks, and that's a good start for us here. So with that, we're going to thank Mike again for coming by and giving us the rundown on the Georgia Bulldogs headed to the draft and uh, some of the top players that he saw uh, play against the Georgia Bulldogs here. And uh, with that, uh, thanks once again, Mike, for dropping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Wish we had a gift certificate to give you or something like that. But we'll work on it. <laughs> so with that, we're going to take t ask you all to take care and have a great rest of your week. Get ready for the championship games. No way they could live up to what happened last week in the divisional game. So just enjoy yourself and take care of yourself out there. Goodbye. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.
The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.